following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It's another hour of the only show willing to tell like it is. We're all about huge opinions, big name guests. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer, one of the best in the business. Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, is in studio today on this MHSA Wednesday. If you have a high school question, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, and also opt in on the Huge text chain. Text the word HUGE out of 21,000. I know we talked about seeding high school football and looking at that, and it would be tough based on uh, the size of the state or loading up one region or area. What, what sports, Mark, uh, and I got a question on the huge text chain uh, from John in Grand Rapids. What sports are being seeded right now in postseason play at Michigan high schools? So football has always had it. So we take, um, regardless of the system to qualify, your matchups have always been determined on your playoff points so football is always done so a lot of people don't understand that that it is seated they just think it's regional right correct it, it's seated within your region but but it is certainly seated what we've done now at the district level um we really haven't had widespread support that we need to seed our entire tournament but the the negatives that we would get you know over the last decade is that district tournament the first round and just by the old random draw you'd have the best two teams that have talking basketball now right I'm talking everything everything right but yeah basketball included that you know, the best two teams in the district. Soccer drew is another one, right? Exactly. And they would play right away on Monday. And, well, can't we do something? So what we've now got is the Michigan Power Rating. So in several of our sports, you can follow on our website, MHSA.com. So let's use basketball. And once the basketball season starts here in December, is you'll be able to track your team and see exactly what their MPR is. So now when we get uh, 10 days before the start of the district tournament, we take um, the MPR in the district. And the number one MPR goes on the number one seeded line. And then the number two MPR goes on the number two line, opposite sides of the bracket. And then we play it out over the week. And if, you know, the seeds would hold true, then your top two teams in that district would play in the district final. No more on, you know, the first night or the second night based on the random draw. So currently we do this in boys and girls basketball, boys and girls soccer, the newest sport that we're now adding it in um, this winter is ice hockey. Boys lacrosse has always had a seeded tournament, and we're now uh, the girls lacrosse committee met here recently. They they're going to move that forward as a recommendation that they'd like to use NPR. I think Bill, we give this long enough, and I think almost all of our team sports are going to use the MPR, if nothing else, just to separate number one and two. Now, there's also some discussion that by the time you now get to the semifinals, so you get to the final four, like in basketball or in ice hockey, that what we should do is use the MPR again and seed your final four. Because now you're not increasing travel, but what you'd be doing is you'd put then of your four teams left, 
one plays four, two plays three in your uh, semi. In terms of highest seeds remaining. Highest right? highest MPR seeds remaining, and what that might do is give us a little bit more compelling championship game. So that's something else that we're talking about. Um, but uh, MPR, at, the, at least the district level, by separating the top two teams, has is, is been a really effective change here over the last handful of years. Uh, your executive council for the MHSAA member schools, where where are they at on some of the recommendations? What what are hot topics right now that are close to becoming a reality? So our board is a, I've got a 19 member board, our representative council, and uh, 18 of the 19 members all come from our schools. So of uh, our 18 board members, we have superintendents, we have principals, and we have athletic directors. Um, our 19th member is actually an appointed member from the Michigan Department of Education, Kyle Grant, who's the uh, one of the assistant superintendents at uh, at MDE, who was wonderful. Um, our board is fantastic. You know, um, our board sees some of the challenges right now with local school boards in some places. And, uh, what do you mean challenges? So it's just our schools have become very politicized here since COVID. And, uh, you know, you talk to a lot of school people and, and local school board meetings have been very, very interesting places to be over the last uh, 32 months or so. Really heated. They have gotten very heated. And, and what's really good about our board is, you know, they come from that background and they approve policy, they approve a budget. And when it really comes to day-to-day operations, they leave that to the staff. But they're a wonderful sounding board for, for what's next. They can tell you that during COVID, um, the whole mentality of both our board and staff was survival. In some cases, uh, you would say it was, well, week to week and month to month. Frankly, in the fall of 2020, in the winter then of 21, while we were trying to finish that first season, um, it was almost going day to day just to navigate all the changes out there. So now that we do have some normalcy again, um, you know, some things that we're looking at, potentially uh, new opportunities, you know, what what is next. Um, but at that same token, a lot of the surveying we've done of our schools is we want to make sure that we're supporting um, all of our current sports and our current tournaments um, first before we look at adding uh, up some new opportunities. I can tell you that there is really no push to go in this direction, but at least we're getting our board much more educated on what the NIL landscape could look like. Um, currently in Michigan, we do not have a state law that permits um, NIL uh, below the collegiate level. And frankly, I, I think the conversation about NIL isn't what high school athletes can and can't get because we've talked previously. There actually are ways that current student athletes at the high school level can make um, can make some money with reasonable work at a reasonable rate. That you're you know, talking connected to the school, correct? Kids can work camps. Kids can give private lessons. Kids can officiate. A way to make money um, through their involvement with sports have always been okay. And I'm not really looking. I'm not hearing much support at the high school level that we try and look just like college sports when it comes to NIL. My biggest fear is that the non-school world out there are going to create these academies in the way that they're going to try and draw kids to their academy. If state law would permit it, would there would be some NIL opportunities for kids that go the academy route. And then I could see these academies aligning with certain colleges and universities with their large NIL collectives. And, and I just think that uh, that's something that, that is incredibly concerning because I call me old school, but I really think that a 14 to 18, 
18-year-old kid should be able just to have the experience of growing up, being a high school student, being a high school athlete, without the pressure that, uh, oh, by the way, as a, as a fairly talented 16-year-old, uh, you've also got to become a business enterprise. I just don't think that's healthy for anybody's development, and we'll see uh, you know, how uh, those conversations go. Yeah, ask uh, Monty Bates and his circle how the prep school worked out in the southeastern part of Michigan What's good about the collectives is that the NCAA just passed rules that schools can't just have collectives with no name, image, and likeness use. So you can't just donate so you get a pool of $30 million where you can buy players. That wasn't the intent of name, image, and likeness. And I believe at the high school level, if you're going to do that, uh, it, it will be chaos and the bigger schools will only get bigger, and right. parents will move there, and you'll destroy the base. I highly doubt your membership or council nope. would ever uh, approve that. And if uh, a group of prep schools want to develop their own superpower thing, well, you might want to look at the stats on how many kids actually get scholarships sure. and how many kids go to pros. And I believe something that nobody has talked about in this name, image, and likeness situation, the money will run out at yep. some point. There's not an endless supply of government-funded or college-funded money for these name, image, and likeness programs. And you're already seeing that teams don't look the same. Alabama doesn't have that same cohesion. And when your quarterback's making a million a year and the lineman blocking for him is getting nothing, eventually that seeps into games. Sure does. And you can look at it. And you can. Uh, I'll say Harbaugh and what he said about we're not going to be a transactional. Uh, program that you know if you can get paid more power to you if you're cj stroud and you get a bentley or rolls from a local dealership hey you know you you've done a lot for ohio state same thing with hunter dickinson but to bring that to the high school level you're going to open up the ugliest can of worms you've ever seen i think it destroys high school sports with name, image, and likeness. Some listening right now may say, well, you're telling a kid, well, the school packs them in uh, for the tournaments to watch or on Friday nights, and that kid shouldn't earn any of the money. I'm like, wait a minute. That athlete, male or female, is using that school as a springboard to a free college education or at least the ability to be seen. Yep, and and I think the, the key difference and what's really gotten lost in the conversation is NIL came to the college level because enough uh, people in the position of power kind of stood up and said, wait a minute, this has become a billion-dollar industry. And of the billions of dollars that are being generated, it seems like that money is only flowing right now to the adults. It's flowing to the institutions, and it's flowing to the adults. And the coaches. The, right? the, the Power Five coaches being at the front of that line. So the whole concept was, well, in this billion-dollar industry, there has to be a way for us to put some of the money um, into the pockets of the student-athletes. And, and the whole concept was this a way that kids can earn some extra spending money. Some, you know, That's the way it was kind of pitched. And, of course, course it, it gets enacted and uh, then you've got the collectives and all those issues bill i can guarantee you that at the high school level this is nowhere close to the kind of economic scale Amen. that uh, is happening and in, in the the concept that uh you know all this money is being made at the high school level talk to most high school ad's and, and they're going to tell you that what they bring in at the gate simply covers their expenses um in some areas and then they're still getting general funds from the school district to cover the others 
um, saying that uh, college athletics at the Power Five level and high school sports, in terms of economic scale and NIL, um, it's unfair to say they're apples and oranges. Um, they're far more different even than what that is. There is a microscopic small percentage of players that any company would want to endorse. Basically, the money at the high school level, if there was NIL, would be for recruiting kids to come play for other schools, and that's something that yep. uh, you put a stop to for the most part with the transfer uh, rule and sitting out one year. Uh, I, I can see the prep academies. You want to have a soccer school. You want to have a basketball school. More power to you. you got parents who want to pay uh, for that. It's America. You can do what you want to, but... Your organization, the Michigan High School Athletic Association, you have a right to say whether or not those prep academies can be a part of your organization. Absolutely. And that's how it works. It is how it works. So. It, it's amazing. with uh, the And all this is money-based. Every, every, NIL, everything we're talking about, even for your executive team and your leadership council, to have the conversations about if kids should get paid. I think I told you... Two times ago, you're in studio, whatever, that there needs to be a push on your website, MHSAA, through your announcements, that athletes have the ability, high school athletes have the ability to make money from being a part of their camps, yeah, from uh, private uh, lessons, from officiating. I think let, let those schools and those parents and those athletes know there's an opportunity to make money while playing out of Michigan High School. Absolutely. And that's something when we met with all of our schools earlier this fall on our, our update meeting tour, that was part of our program. And uh, because we've had so much change over here uh, after COVID with new athletic directors, uh, yeah, it's really important for our, our kids to know exactly what they can already do under the rules. How many schools did you go to on your fall tour? So we do seven area meetings. Uh, we've kind of divided the state up into seven sections. We started off in the Kalamazoo area, and I finished, uh, I think, two Fridays ago up in Marquette. We actually meet in a large uh, room up in the Superior Dome at Northern Michigan University, and it's a really good way for us to get feedback and input uh, from our membership. So you do that, and, and you reach out to all members and show up? Yep. Are they required to show up to one? So what we do is we uh, our seven locations, We it's kind of like a almost like a rock band tour i can tell you the order every year we always start in kalamazoo we then next go to detroit our third meeting is always it's like huey lewis in the news it tour. is it's yeah. in frankenmuth is the you third got a tour one bus close you know the madden cruiser you need to uh that is a good idea down the road to put mhsaa uh wrap a bus and and take it when you're driving so people see there you go where else? So we, Grand Rapids is number four. Uh, Gaylord is number five. Wow. Lansing is number six. And then we always finish up uh, up in Marquette. That's number seven. So we, we kind of put those in the seven geographic centers of our state that are closest to most of our schools. And then they all travel in and we meet with the ADs all morning. And then we do a luncheon and I kind of give the state of the state seven different times and we get folks back on the road by one thirty. It's uh, it's really a, a very productive day. And we get to meet face to face with our schools. So I really look forward to the month of September into the first two weeks of October as uh, we do the update tour. What was uh, the theme of your state of state of Michigan high school sports? What was the main theme of that speech you gave to all the member schools? It was really normalcy that um, 
this fall feels more normal. Um, our goal for the rest of this year is we get back to our normal decision-making processes. You know, one of the, the slides I've used every year is that our organization is best when we're driven by the membership, not driven by the director, not driven by staff, not even driven by our board. But when our 748 high schools let us know what they want, I think we do a better job of serving um, what they need. So certainly that that concept that we're going to get back to regular surveys from our schools, regular input, talking about things, because, Bill, the reality for the last 30-plus months is we haven't been membership driven we've been governor's office driven or we've been state health department driven and we really kind of see uh the the clouds clearing where we can get back to let's do what our membership wants us to do and uh that's really the overarching theme for this year by the way speaking of the stop and gaylord how are they doing up there after that tornado you know what was crazy is uh, it was this summer we actually stopped and you you look on the east side of 75 in Gaylord, and everything looked absolutely normal. You take a left, and now you're heading just west of 75, and you see the the little mall that it hit, the culvers that it hit, and then there was kind of a trailer park. And, Bill, we pulled off and went through the trailer park. It was like a scene out of the moon. So you could, it certainly looked like that tornado literally dropped and touched down for about 400 yards, and everything in that 400-yard swath was literally destroyed, and then that thing picked up and got up off the ground, did not touch the expressway, and back off into the sky and the way it went. So I've never seen one of those scenes personally, but um, the other destruction in the place, that that trailer park, was just something I'll never forget. And luckily they were, I don't think they lost any lives in that tornado, am I correct? I want No, I think there were a couple of fatalities. Were they there? were all in the trailer park, but it was yeah. less than a handful, yeah, which right. looking at that destruction... Uh, uh, you know, incredibly fortunate. It wasn't much, much worse. Yeah, I, I know. I wasn't quite sure on the numbers. I do remember when I was in Austin, Texas, late 90s, doing my radio show, uh, an F5 tornado roared through uh, North Austin and went through a town called Gerald. And I think it's still one of the highest wind speeds ever recorded for a tornado. And I drove up there a couple days afterwards because I'd seen the photo of a subdivision housing where it had peeled the asphalt, the tornado had off the ground, and there was nothing left. Unbelievable. So the, this this was a subdivision, let's say, with 100 homes. You didn't see a piece of wood. You didn't see anything. And you saw how it was peeled like a, like a can, the asphalt off the ground. Unbelievable. And a relatively new subdivision. I think they lost... I want to say 30, 35 people in that sure. subdivision. So, yeah, tornadoes are nothing. Though. Especially in Gaylord, Michigan, yeah. for crying Northern out loud. Northern Michigan, yeah. I work. Go figure, the weather. I mean, you just living in Oklahoma, Texas, it didn't become normal. But the TV guys in Oklahoma were rock stars. You talk about tours. They would do their tornado prevention or tornado safety tour. Can't really prevent a tornado. Uh, and they would go to different high schools all across Oklahoma, and there'd be 2,000 people would show up every school. The 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 weather guys made like seven figures in Oklahoma, and they were just, I remember Mike Morgan. One time I met him, he goes, you want my autograph? I'm like, damn, you're a weather guy. And he was flashy. He looked like he belonged in Vegas, and they would chase a tornado from north uh, New Mexico. They'd have their teams. This was, you know, long before everything with the phones, and they would 
you'd watch this TV station nonstop for six hours, seven, eight hours to see if the weather was coming towards Oklahoma City. It was amazing. It was riveting. But man, tornadoes are nothing to mess with. No, nope, scary. Not at all. And and I hope everybody in Gaylord uh, listening in northern Michigan right now in the surrounding area that uh, you're doing well uh, on the road back. Mark Ewell in studio, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. If you have a high school comment, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. All of our social network interaction is presented by the Denver Nuggets G League team, the Grand Rapids Gold. Their first home game at Van Andel Arena is on Thursday night, November 10th. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com, the usual Ticketmaster outlets, and the Van Andel Arena box office. And follow the Grand Rapids Gold on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. It's time to go in the huddle. It's a new day to celebrate and be free. It's a new day full of action and excitement because it's a new day for winning only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. It's a new day. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com. The Wolverines handled business against in-state rival Michigan State by the score of 29-7 to bring Paul Bunyan home to Ann Arbor. Blake Horm continued his rushing onslaught by carrying the ball 33 times for 177 yards and a touchdown in the ballgame, while J.J. McCarthy was 15-25 of through the air for 167 and a touchdown as well. Michigan's Jake Moody was a perfect 5 of 5 on field goals, which included a 54-yard bomb and 2 for 2 on extra points for a total of 17 Michigan points. The game, however, will be marred by the events that unfolded in the tunnel at Michigan Stadium postgame, which included two separate instances where individual players from Michigan were jumped by Spartan players. There's been a lot of banter and finger-pointing going back and forth on Twitter and social media, but at the end of the day, isn't this all about accountability? Sometimes you just have to take your loss like a man. You had 60 minutes to fight on the football field. Why'd you wait for the tunnel? Pussifer Live. Existential Reckoning Tour. November 15th, 7.30, DeVos Performance Hall. Special guest, Nightclub. On sale now at Ticketmaster.com. New album, Existential Reckoning, out now. Let the probing continue. Huge here for my good friends on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Pistons and the NBA season is underway, and right now everyone on the DraftKings Sportsbook app can get boosted winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So they're providing the biggest payouts ever. So the huge question of the day is why bet on the NBA anywhere else except on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And right now, as I mentioned, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, who will score the most from the Pistons, and other incredible ways for you to cash out. And like I said, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and new customers can sign up with promo code HUGE, and then place a stepped-up same-game parlay to boost 
future winnings up to 100%. This is only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required, 10-plus legs required for 100% boost. Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash basketball terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan, 19 radio stations strong. For the one close to you or where you'll be traveling all around the state, go to thehugeshow.net. If you miss any interview from today or any show or any hour, our podcasts are free and we are everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and more. Just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts. Mark Hill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, in studio with us, you have a comment or question when it comes to Michigan high school sports at Huge Show on Twitter, the Huge Show on Facebook. So, Mark, you mentioned what's next is always a topic of conversation with your team, your executive council, uh, your member schools. Uh, we talked about some of the changes post-pandemic. What are some things for you personally where you look at this and if you didn't have to go through the process of feedback from everybody things that you think would benefit high school sports today in Michigan, what would be on that list? So my starting point whenever I answer that question is, and and I check in with my colleagues, especially in Big Ten country, uh, very often. I want to know what the rules are in within the Big Ten footprint. And obviously when UCLA and SC come in, that's going to change that footprint a little bit. But I want to know what what uh, kids can do in Minnesota or kids can do in Maryland or kids can do in Ohio and Pennsylvania in terms of everything from non-school uh, involvement to the travel rule to number of uh, regular season games that can be played. Because I think that we can give just that that normal run-of-the-mill high school student a wonderful experience without jeopardizing um, or uh, not providing an incentive for our top kids and our top programs to also get something out of the high school sports experience as well. You know, we've seen it a little bit here recently where, where you know, some fairly talented kids in our state have, have opted for the prep school route. And uh, so it, it's constantly looking inward and saying, okay, what do our rules allow? Because I truly believe that we can, if we can put our top kids in terms of opportunities on an equal footing of what's allowed in all of the other Big Ten state schools, um, whether it comes for you know college opportunities or, or the whole recruiting process, I think that's something that we have to do. So the, the challenge in that matrix is figuring out what ways you're going to be innovative. So, for example, we did one of those surveys, and we found that 20 regular season basketball games was at the low end in Big Ten country. Um, I think they're a little crazy in Illinois. Uh, Illinois' regular season high school basketball, they allow 31 regular season games. 31? Does 30, Michigan play 31 or Michigan State? No kidding. Um, but 31 games, which is at the high mark. And then there were, there were a state that had 18 and a couple at 20. So we've made the move from 20 to 20. 
um, which our basketball community really, really liked. And now we're even having the conversation about what's the travel rule? What should the travel rule look like? Currently, we have what's called a border state rule to where you can go regardless of the miles into Wisconsin Illinois, we consider Illinois a border state, uh, Indiana, Ohio, and then we just added Minnesota because some of our West End UP schools, um, you're only a little over 100 miles into Minnesota where you can pick up hockey games and uh, ski meets. Um, so we're now having the conversation, well, do we keep our travel rule, but during those times for fall sports before school starts, for winter sports during uh, the two-week holiday break, and then obviously for spring sports during spring break. But would we ever say that you need to follow the travel rule except for two days of competition when school's not in session? Now, would that allow some of our top basketball teams in the Detroit area to participate in an event? Or would that allow... Or go to Vegas or something. Whatever. Um, Because, again, you look at what other states allow and don't allow... So it's that balance of making sure that you're putting our kids here in Michigan on equal footing of the other Big Ten states. The other side of that coin is you also need to figure out what are some of those kind of traditional values and old school old school beliefs that are worth hanging on to. And what I keep hearing over and over and over again is something we got to get back to is a focus on sportsmanship. And it's not even so much sportsmanship, Bill. And I think the events of what we saw at the end of the Michigan-Michigan State game here over the weekend, um, I would think that sportsmanship and just common decency and dignity is probably a lesson that everybody can hear right now. And But it's not just talking about that um, – you know, kind of in a in an ethereal way, but it's about it's practical things that if we don't change the culture in some of our areas right now of school sports, um, we right now have a hard time finding enough officials. And if our current officials are not feeling appreciated and respected, it's going to be impossible for us to keep our current officials as well as recruit and retain new ones. So it's not just being better sports for the sake of being better sports, but it's creating a better culture for coaches. It's creating a better culture for officials. It's, you know, having kids, uh, you know, I, I think in sports, one of the most valuable things is you need to learn, learn to win with humility and learn to lose with some dignity and grace. And I just think the events of this past weekend for me only illuminate the fact that this is absolutely one of those traditional values that, uh, we really need to get back to because that's really the foundation where everything else grows. And by the way, we'll get into the 2022 Sportsmanship Summit, uh, which you do in multiple locations uh, across Michigan. Uh, For more than 20 years, MHSA has provided this Sportsmanship Summit experience to students across Michigan, and the summits are back now post-pandemic Marquette. Saginaw sold out Grand Rapids, Ypsilanti. We'll talk about that later. I did want to go back to... Uh, the spring breaks, the Christmas breaks, you know, uh, Labor Day weekend break, early uh, or mid-August when before school starts for teams to travel. I, I don't think it's out of line to say that a team could have a couple of days to go out of town and play a soccer tournament in August or Labor Day weekend or a baseball team. I, I think a baseball team traveling maybe even four days of the spring break to be able to play in a tournament, get some games in considering right. uh, the hit and miss weather in the state of Michigan and basketball during Christmas break. There's already a lot of local tournaments taking place. So why not let a team get on a plane? I know that may only cater to schools with money. So you're leaving other kids sure. out, but 
at least give them the opportunity. How close are you to that? We're, I think we're, we're getting closer. Um, all the survey data that we got from our fall tour is, is kind of trended in that direction. And Bill, it's not only where our, our kids can go and travel and play, but even if our schools current under the current rule, if we stay within the border state footprint, we can only play other border state schools. So the, the concept is, well, should we even tweak that? That if a, a school over the holiday break wants to play in a basketball tournament in Indianapolis, well, currently when you're in Indy, you can only, the only schools that can be in that event are those from Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Well, if you go to that event and the events within our travel rule, and if there's a team, uh, part of the event from Texas or California or, or keep filling Can't in the play blank them under your rules, right? So that, that I think is something that that is going to change quite quickly and then i think on the heels of that conversation is um what limited ways because again money is not uh, limitless certainly at our level but again it's trying to thread that needle to serving the needs of the 97 percent of kids to where their last athletic experience will be at the high school level but yet our rules also being flexible enough that you are providing some real benefits and incentives for the top 3% of kids that, yeah, I can get something out of the high school experience. And you know what? Um, these extra opportunities, I'm at least on equal footing of what the kids have in all of the other Big Ten states. And I think that makes uh, some, some, uh, some logical sense. I think it makes incredible sense. And it kind of modernizes where high school sports is without losing uh, its impact and its meaning. Just like spring break, if a soccer team wanted to go to Texas and play games, uh, let them go. Uh, I, they, well, weather may prohibit them or limit them. And, and there's the balance, too, between if you have summer leagues going and spring break and Christmas break and Labor Day weekend, yep. when do these kids get a chance to just be kids away from sports? True. And uh, I'm going to sound like the old guy here on my front porch. You do have, you, you have black socks and you have your uh, checkered shorts pulled all the way up. So you do look like the old guy. But as a 48-year-old who now has two sons in college, I look back at, at their high school years. And, and you missed it a blink, right? It went by so fast. But I look at the whole spring break thing, and now as a parent perspective, I feel a lot better if my kids are with their school's baseball coach on a spring break trip Amen. to Florida to where they're going to play. Um, you know, they're going to scrimmage two or three days, and they're going to play games on three or four days rather than um, – you know, Grant and his senior buddies are going to go to Cancun for a week. Um, so you even now get into some of those things to where if you, you really want what I think is a, it, it can be a fun trip um, and you're going to get some uh, some real value out of it. I Again, maybe I'm just that clueless sports dad, but I'd rather have my kids with the baseball coach than with the buddies in Cancun. Or softball or the soccer Anything. team. Fill, Anything. Fill in that blank. Track team, track team wants to go to Tampa uh, out of Lansing and run in a meet. Let them go. And I think almost the two days of competition on that needs to be a little bit longer because a tournament, at minimum four or five days. So if a team wants to go down and schedule uh, or join a tournament, and plus if other states knew that Michigan had changed their rules, they'll invite their teams down. There's some good baseball, good soccer. uh, Great track and field at Michigan high schools. And it's a showcase for what Michigan does. You bet. Again, it's it's a win-win. And again, it's putting our I think our best kids deserve to be on equal footing of what goes on in some of the other Big Ten states. And and, and beyond the Big Ten states. I, I yep. see no problem with because most teams are going on spring break trips anyways. They are. I'm talking baseball at least because soccer is already in season and the schedule is underway. But they're going down there and they're working out. 
Uh, they find a, a high school or college field they can use, and they play inter-squad scrimmages. So why not let them play some games? You bet. And I, I, I know what some will say. Well, what about the schools that don't have the money? Well, maybe there's a way uh, to set up the ability for the Michigan High School Athletic Association or schools can request or somehow there can be some fundraising centered around spring break, Christmas break trips for teams. Yep, and there's a lot of creative ways right now Amen. in the world to, to, to make things happen that you want to make happen. So, yeah, a lot of conversation. Though, so to kind of ask what's on the, the what's next, uh, uh, those are some of the conversations that we'll, we'll start with our board uh, already next month. Every time you're in studio, when I tell people or pre-promote it, uh, they ask me, what sports are going to be added next? And I ask you this question almost every single time you're on air because I just want people, hey, I asked them. Uh, so if you had to look two years down the road in the Mark Ewell Michigan High School Athletic Association crystal ball, and you would say two years from now there could be state championships in these new boy and girls sports at Michigan high schools, what would they be? So we just added girls individual wrestling. Right, and went well. Very it well. went very well. The next two, if you're going to add companion boy and girls sports, uh, the water polo folks are at the edge of the pool ready to jump in. Um, so that's, You don't want to get the water polo folks angry. No, you don't, because you'll end up at the bottom I, of the I pool. See a, I see an opportunity for... A lot of added sports yep. on both sides, don't you? It is. And then, well, with your, your listeners uh, over here in West Michigan, the announcement last week, my alma mater, I have a bachelor's degree. I'm, I'm an old guy, so I was a baseball player and alum of Calvin College. Well, Calvin University late last week not only added, and by the way, the attention that Calvin was adding football got all the attention. Um, which, by the way, Calvin will no longer have an undefeated football record here in a year or two. Um, they've been a powerhouse because yes. they've never played. Just like if the Lions never played a game, they'd be the powerhouse undefeated. NFL program undefeated since 1957. But the the announcement they made that really, I thought, got missed was the fact that they're sponsoring not just as a club team, but men's varsity volleyball smart move because once i believe our and it's not even so much what the michigan and michigan states are doing but it's what our small colleges here do all the way from the juco's to the naia schools the division three schools and the miaa even the division two schools and the gliac that once we become a college volleyball playing state in terms of the men's side um you know that that I don't know if pressure is the right word, but that push. Well, we need that opportunity for boys in Michigan. Um, so stay tuned on that. We're also looking at some other sports because certainly a an ad of boys volleyballs you would you know for Title IX purposes would need to also add a new opportunity for girls. We're actually surveying our schools here later on this year about uh, we every. Um, on a regular rotation, we do survey our schools for emerging sports. What are new sports in your community that may have some interest? So stay tuned on all that. But uh, Girls ice hockey is probably on that list, right? That is certainly uh, on the radar. So we'll just kind of see how the next few months play out and what kind of feedback we get on the survey, and, and we'll see where that data takes us. And what does it take again to add a sport, at least 32 teams that field 
of 32 high schools that field teams in that particular new sport. So we do have, um, there is a regulation, which has been a little bit flexible. Um, ideally, you'd like to see 64 schools that sponsor it. You know, we've got 748 high schools, so 64, um, you know, a little bit less than 10%, obviously. But, you know, when we started boys and girls lacrosse, we did not start with 64. Um, that those sports have continued to grow. Um, so that's kind of a goal, but, uh, you know, we'll, we do take these on a, on a case by case basis. You know, the, the latest sports we added, um, both uh, boys and girls bowling and boys and girls lacrosse have seen great growth. And I, I really think it's a case bill of if you, at, if you build it, they will come. So once we sponsor it, um, I really think those numbers will grow and grow quickly. I personally think, and I think I said a couple of weeks ago when you were on the phone, that adding girls flag football would create more interest locally than adding girls ice hockey. That's my opinion. Oh, it affect way more numbers. You want yes. to talk about impacting number and, and, of participants. And isn't that your goal? You want the, as many numbers in terms of somebody playing a sport when you introduce it. I think boys volleyball playing in the spring, you would get a ton of basketball players who don't play uh, baseball. And then I've heard from some track and field coaches saying, well, if we had boys volleyball in the spring, well, they can do both. They can go high jump and still uh, sure. volleyball practice and the meets and the and the gyms are open. That's the most important thing it in is. the spring. The gyms at Michigan high schools are open. And I think adding boys volleyball, I'm I'm hearing more from parents who are telling me because you'll, you'll meet the, the travel club basketball parent. Right. And I'll say, well, what does your son do in the spring? Well, we play summer basketball, so we want to get another sport. He's joined club volleyball. Mm-hmm. And you you have West Michigan, a lot of those schools, like Calvin Smart, you you know, South Christian, Unity Christian, football, basketball, you're looking at the height there. Yep. And that's what's important in uh, boys volleyball. So I think that would be a, that's a win-win. Yep, but the game changer is going to come, Bill, in our state when more of our small colleges offer that as a varsity-level sport. Um Good that, move by Calvin University. I'd never heard that. I heard about the football move. Yep, but like I said, I think the most significant announcement really dealt with men's volleyball and not uh, so much football. All right, you mentioned sportsmanship. Uh, your summits are happening again post-pandemic in Marquette, Saginaw, Grand Rapids, and Ypsilanti, where students come out, and you really stress the importance of sportsmanship inside Michigan high school athletic programs. We'll talk about that next. One final segment on the way with Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything Michigan High School Sports. Our new website looks awesome, mhsaa.com, at mhsaa on Twitter. Follow them on Facebook, mhsaa, and also watch live and archive boys and girls high school sports on demand at mhsaa.tv. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Hi, this is Matt Shepard. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. If you're planning a trip to Las Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms 
rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today and take advantage of the BetMGM Rewards. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Bill Simonson here for my good friend Tom Rosenbach. Now, he's a managing partner at Bean Carter. They're one of America's top accounting and business firms. They're based in downtown Grand Rapids. They now have merged with Dorn Mayhew from the east side of the state, and they're stronger than ever before in the state of Michigan, the Midwest, and coast-to-coast when it comes to your accounting and business needs. Find out more at beangarter.com. That's B-E-E-N-E-G-A-R-T-E-R.com. Also, Thomas stepped up with $1,500 in cash in the Beat Huge Pro Football Picks Contest. Now, if you beat my picks just one week, you'll be in the drawing at the end of the pro football season for $1,500 in cash from Tom Rosenbach and Bean Garter. Thursday night game is always a freebie. You have until Sunday morning to play every week through the big game. You can play once or play every week. Do what you want to, but get your picks in now at thehugeshow.net. Imagine this, a day filled with indulgence, bursting with excitement, and packed with extraordinary moments that build memories to last a lifetime. A day that is unmistakably yours, at the place that is undeniably spectacular. Whether you're winning big, dining lavishly, or relaxing oh so comfortably, it's your getaway reimagined at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Back on the huge show across Michigan, final segment. Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Good stuff today. Thanks, Bill. 24-7, everything you need with this show is at thehugeshow.net. Also, wherever you download podcasts, just search The Huge Show, and you can catch up and listen on your schedule. Big. Bad. Huge. 